1: Yes, indeed. We now know the participants in Super Bowl 54 for Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. It will be the San Francisco 49ers, the Kansas City Chiefs. As the Chiefs get in there for the first time in 50 years, the 49ers now going for a sixth Super Bowl championship. If they can get it, they've won, by the way, two previous times in that same facility with Joe Montana at the helm once, Steve Young at the helm another time. We'll talk much more, obviously, about the Super Bowl specifically next week, but we'll recap kind of the championship games a little bit on Three Dog Thursday. Lots and lots of college hoops to get to. Hope you are well. We've got underdogs aplenty on this Three Dog Thursday program, so we're looking forward to all of it. Uh, as we hang out here uh, on the latest edition of the show. Straight ahead, love the insight of Charles Davis from the NFL coverage on Fox Sports, on Fox TV, and the game coverage of the National Football League. Charles with insight on both the Niners and the Chiefs. He had both of them throughout the season and including late in the year for San Francisco. So I'm interested to see uh, what he thinks as we head towards Super Bowl 54. Charles also part of the Senior Bowl coverage that is coming, the college football all-star game for the seniors in Mobile, Alabama, Saturday NFL Network. Andrew Siciliano, Daniel Jeremiah, Charles Davis on the call as some of the top college stars will be playing in that game. Charles will have a couple names to watch out for. Uh, We'll we'll get his insight on some of the players at the Senior Bowl. Never too soon to talk about the NFL draft. So Charles Davis on those subjects coming up. Special guest uh, that will be with us for the first time from the Sports Gambling Podcast network of shows. He hosts their college basketball coverage. Only appropriate. We're turning more towards college hoops. Again, no NFL this weekend. Don't give me this stuff about the pro bowl and what a ridiculous game that that is colby dant will be here from the college experience that's the name of the podcast the college experience sports gambling podcast network ins and outs of the spreads, the Thursday games, the weekend games. We'll talk with Colby about some college basketball, some thoughts on it. The ugliness of the Kansas-Kansas State game, the fallout, the suspensions. I'll have some thoughts on that in a second, but Colby and I will be talking about that straight ahead. So Colby Dant in the middle of the program. Then Brian Edwards back from MajorWager.com. Brian does a fantastic job handicapping in college sports, uh, as well as the NFL and the NBA. So we love to pick his brain on the college hoops uh, as well. He's, he's uh, hot on the New Orleans Pelicans, and what a performance by Zion Williamson in his first regular season game. In one segment of the game, he electrified uh, the country of sports fans with what he was doing on Wednesday night. So we'll talk about that with Brian. He's got lots and lots of Saturday insight and doggies as well. Lots of underdog coverage. That is what we do. All right, so uh, we'll get to the guest here in a couple of moments. couple of overall thoughts. We continue with the same theme. What What do we know about this college basketball season? Right now, especially the best teams at the top of it, as as the top teams continue to take losses uh, right now and upset losses at that. We saw Louisville, since last we were with you, go into Cameron and and beat Duke. Uh, Who's good at the top of the Big East right now where we've seen upsets? Butler had gotten up to the top five. They've taken a couple of losses. Is Villanova going to be there when all's said and done? What about the Big Ten, where it's traditionally teams like Michigan State, Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin, and now it's Illinois, Rutgers, Iowa, and we'll talk some about the Minnesota Golden Gophers before we're done in a little bit as well. So uh, again, who's good? Whether you're talking Big 12, at the top where Baylor is up there. But Texas, my God, what is wrong with the Texas Longhorns as one of the traditional powers in the Big 12? They are struggling. Big 12 and the SEC will be playing head-to-head on Saturday. So some about that. So again, the theme kind of continues. Does anybody want to win the Pac-12, for example? Who's going to rise to the top in the SEC right now Uh, where there's several teams vying for it? Kentucky always going to be in that mix, but they've taken a couple of losses uh, as well. Uh, Auburn takes a couple of losses after being 15-0, and although they bounced back midweek with a win over South Carolina. So uh, trying to figure out who's at the top right now in college basketball, it is certainly still wide open with about six weeks to go in the regular season of college play, and we'll be here to dissect all of it. On the Kansas-Kansas State awfulness, I- I've said this consistently, but now saying it here on the podcast since that a- incident happened on Tuesday night. I've said it elsewhere on another podcast, on a couple of other interviews, there is no excuse for what went on at Fog Allen Fieldhouse. It it is complete uh, selfishness. Uh, the biggest word that I come back to is unnecessary. The whole thing was unnecessary. Kansas had won the game decisively. Uh, they're winning there at the end, 81-59. to The game is over. Kansas is trying to dribble the clock out. You have a selfish, stupid play by a Kansas State player. Let me go selfishly steal the ball from a guy that's just standing there with three seconds left in the game and go try to go get my own stats, my own layup, my own highlight reel play. Selfish, stupid play. Then you combine that with D'Souza, the Kansas player, deciding, okay, I'm going to take matters in my own hands and stop him from scoring and block the shot and thunder him down to the ground. Again, needless, unnecessary, stupid to do. Let him go. Uh, and then we've got a couple of other parts of the flashpoint here, too, where we've got one of the game officials who's standing right there. And look, I understand it's tough to officiate, but these guys are refing at the highest level in the Big 12. There are 50 officials across the country who work lower-end conference games who would love to work a Kansas game at Fog Allen Fieldhouse. So there's no shortage of qualified, talented officials. And for those three guys that were there, you're refing until the final horn. You gotta be paying attention in a rivalry game all the way until the teams are done and they're leaving the court. And you have a ref standing right there who freezes, who does not come over in that situation to separate D'Souza from the Kansas State player and 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 help security and elsewhere separate. He stands, he freezes, he lets the pushing and shoving go on, and that's what ignited what you saw in the end zone, just just disaster. Disaster of lack of security, lack of people. Kansas State players coming off their near bench to defend their teammate. Kansas players running from the other bench because, again, the game is over at this point. The horn is sounded in the arena And the game is done. And so players were coming to shake hands, allegedly, and now they're running on the floor. Now you've got full scale, as I've said, Vince McMahon, WWF, Royal Rubble going on. And the the sickening part is you're in the area where there are disabled Kansas fans in wheelchairs uh, that are unable to obviously evacuate while D'Souza is picking up a chair and trying to hit one of the Kansas State players that's in street clothes. Again, unnecessary for the whole thing. And I was a bit surprised. I know D'Souza got the boom lowered on him, and we're going to talk more about this with Colby Dant in a few minutes after we talk with Charles Davis. But I, I was a bit surprised I uh, hear that uh, D'Souza didn't get the whole season and a, and a bit surprised. He got 12 games, but he can play in the postseason, uh, it looks like. And it surprises me that either Bill Self or Bruce Weber or both escaped Bob Bowlesby in the conference not saying, hey, this this is inexcusable. You're in charge of your programs. You're going to get a game as well. You're going to get a game suspension as well for how bad your players just represented themselves, your schools, and our conference. You're going to sit down as well here on this, so I'm a bit surprised we'll talk more with our guests about that, but a black eye. It has certainly been the big topic midweek in college basketball, and now Kansas gets set to take on Tennessee in a nationally televised SEC Big 12 game, and that will be the backdrop leading into this one. Uh, and, and the whole thing again, just completely unnecessary. And we, we've seen fights before in college basketball, and they're, they're else elsewhere in college football. We've seen brawls uh, in the pros. The, what was it? The Malice at the Palace with Ron Artest and the Pacers against the Pistons. Uh, we've we've seen other base brawls with the ball. You know, the bean ball being thrown at a batter, and everybody's brawling out on the field. It's, it's common in hockey where they stand and punch each other's lights out, although there's less and less of that now in the NHL. It's been de-emphasized. It's been going away that we don't need to just stand and fight each other. It, it just doesn't have a place to me. If you bring up kids, if you bring up young players that you're working with, you try to teach them, don't do this stuff. It is unnecessary. It is stupid. It is selfish. There we go. I'm off my soapbox on Kansas, Kansas State. So much to get to, whether it's conversation about the Super Bowl matchup and the Senior Bowl with Charles Davis straight ahead. Lots of college basketball coming with Colby Dant, who's brand new to this podcast as a guest. Brian Edwards is a staple of this podcast uh, from BrianEdwardsSports.com, and his insight on college and NBA hoops is fantastic upcoming on the podcast. Let's get to all of it right now. One of my faves, always love getting the chance to talk to this guy, especially now that we know the participants in Super Bowl 54. And oh, by the way, besides just 49ers and Chiefs, I can lean on him because it's never too soon, too early to start talking about the draft that is upcoming and he is part of the nfl network's path to the draft coverage Uh, was in the tampa bay area where i'm based uh, in and around the east west shrine bowl last week college all-star game now the senior bowl all-star game going on in mobile alabama and charles davis there as well on the nfl network always good to be with you my friend and so much to talk about first of all it's chilly back in florida you you left and it got cold it's a little chilly in Mobile, but we we we're, we've got like five layers on right now at the time that we're talking. So winter came for a couple of days, my friend.
0: Yeah, and I understand that. I mean, I, I leave there, and you would think, okay, good, I escaped the cold, and I went right to it in Mobile, Alabama. And <laughs> I wore five five layers myself yesterday. And I know anyone who lives in the northern climes and could hear our voices—they're laughing at it. Yes. Us. And probably about the middle of their day are going to say, hold on a second. I'm not laughing at them. I'm mad at them. Yeah. You guys are soft.
1: And we will be playing golf later in the week in 75 and 80 yeah. degree weather. That's why we live in Florida. All right. See, and that's see, why see, all... This is, and, we, this is
0: where we go too far. And, right? This is where we go too far. Now we're crowing about
1: Yes. <laughs> but that's why all those people in the Northeast and Canada and the upper Midwest come where? They come to Florida in December and January yeah. and February. So it all... Yeah, all-
0: all those, all those people that come to visit that you're like, yeah, that's great, come visit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and they take you up on it, too. All right, so uh, let's begin with 49ers Chiefs. You had both of these teams uh, as part of your duties NFL on Fox. Let's start, uh, let's just go chronologically with Kansas City. They get the win, the explosive offense, uh, etc. They beat Tennessee. They're back in the Super Bowl for the first time in 50 years, basically two generations. Yeah. They're back in. You saw the Chiefs. What do you want to say about the Chiefs? What they accomplished this year, how they did it, Mahomes, et cetera. What about it, Charles?
0: Well, the stuff we expected came true, and there was a hiccup there, obviously, with Mahomes' injury, the knee injury that scared the entire league outside of people who had to actually play Kansas City and thought they were pretty good this year. But once he got back, got healthy, they got Tyreek back healthy, Tyreek Hill back healthy. Damian Williams was healthy at running back. The offensive line came back. That's the little – that's the part that no one is really talking about, in my opinion. Getting Eric Fisher back at left tackle, getting Stefan Wisniewski in to solidify left guard after Andrew Wiley got hurt. Uh, Mitchell Schwartz is a pro bowl, all pro right tackle. That's been a big deal for them defensively, you know, everybody ran all over them all year long for the most part. And then down the stretch, Steve Spagnuolo, defensive coordinator, that Novakane took effect. And they started to play well. And getting Chris Jones back to play in the AFC Championship game was huge trying to deal with Derrick Henry. Started out with 61 yards early in the game, looked like Derrick Henry. Only, what, eight more yards the rest of the way, and Kansas City swamped them. So that's what you get with them. If you can't deal with their defense, if you can't put points up on their defense, you've got a real struggle on your hands because it's hard for your defense to hold down Kansas City
1: no doubt uh and again as part of your duties with fox you get to kind of meet behind the scenes uh with these guys in advance of the game i want to ask you first about uh patrick mahomes and then andy Reid. how how has patrick mahomes struck you when you've dealt with him you've dealt with a lot of superstar players and quarterbacks T- give us a little insight on being around mahomes as, as there'll be so much conversation about him over the next two weeks
0: Just an, just to me an extraordinary young man in so many different ways and Look, you and I both in our profession, we're we're fortunate enough to deal with a lot of people and sometimes we walk away going, Yeah, it'd be fine if I never deal with that person again. You know, Mahomes <laughs> is not even close to that category. He is he is he is professional yet effervescent. He's he's genuine, I believe. Obviously you're not gonna you know, if you don't abuse his time, you're gonna be fine. And the one thing that I got I got from behind the scenes didn't come from him. You know, national endorsements, all that you can imagine. TJ, everybody's coming at him, right? He will only take something one he believes in, which is the standard. That's what we hear from people. Okay, that's great. I believe in this product. But the second thing is, whenever the shoots or the or, or the meetings or whatever takes place, wherever they are, if the workout isn't available for him, the workout that he desires, whether it's throwing, lifting, running, whatever, to his satisfaction, he's not going to do it. <laughs> that means Interesting. Football. Football is first and foremost. Anything that gets in the way of football, that that just goes right out the window. He doesn't make adjustments for that. That, that. That's kind of like, you know, his non-negotiable. And I think that that's just one of the beauties of the thing. He's a kid who's in love with the game and still wants to get better and keeps working on it. And he's not just relying on his splendiferous athletic gifts. He wants to try and hone them at all times. And that's one of the things I took away from him.
1: I love Charles Davis for so many reasons. I've been around him for a while. Splendiferous is a word I don't think he's ever used with me on the Three Dog (laughs) Thursday podcast. I love that uh, about him. You see him on the NFL on Fox. We're going to get to the Senior Bowl uh, coverage, the NFL Network and the draft uh, and all the coverage uh, that is already underway even in January on the NFL Network in a moment or two. Same kind of question about being around Andy Reid, who's now back in the Super Bowl for the first time in 15 years since he had the Eagles there. You were around him a couple of times this year in game duties, production meetings. Tell me more about the Andy Reid you were around now because you've been around him a while. You, you were around him around him uh, again this year with the Chiefs. Yeah. What about it?
0: He's 61 years old, and he's really on the cutting edge of offensive football in the NFL. He's not the old dog that didn't learn new tricks. He's not the stuck-in-his-waist dodgy guy that won't try things. Is there are more varied you know, exciting offense in Kansas City's No, and it's not just because of Mahomes throwing the ball, it's how they get things done. The jet sweeps, the 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 you know, the quarterback run game, the you know, the the the, the tight end coming down the line of scrimmage, taking shovel passes, you know, how they how they do route combinations to drive people crazy. Always looking, always adding, always tinkering. 61 years old. I guess the best way to put it is intellectually curious still at that age. And also with the you-know-what, the, the fortitude to try a lot of these things, to put those in, to do it. Because he could do it other ways and still be successful. But he puts it in, and it's, it's just absolutely amazing. And the other thing is he's been around the game so long, TJ, that there's no, no panic in him. We went there and saw them against Minnesota, I think, midseason. Mahomes wasn't going, wasn't likely to play. Didn't play in that game. Offensive line had shuffled like crazy because Fisher was out. Andrew Wiley was out. Um, I think they they had another another injury on the backside. You know, I mean, just all sorts of no panic. What are you doing at running back? Is Damian Williams really healthy? And what's going on with Sean McCoy? No panic. Right on down the line, and you see that throughout the year. He realizes his 16 game season, confident in his team and his backups. And he just deserves a lot of credit for the job he did all year long, and that's just Andy Reid,
1: No doubt. All right, so they're going to be fun to watch. The 49ers have been fun to watch. You had them several times, including the wild win over the Saints in the Superdome late in the year. Charles, I think there there's many impressive things about what they've done, but right now they're demonstrating that in the modern NFL, where it's throw, 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 they're now a throwback of run, 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 and running with a guy... In Raheem Mostert that has been discarded multiple times, story was told over and over again, but he, he's running like one of the all-time greats, and that's a credit to the 49ers, their staff, their line, but the, the fascinating thing is they've, they're doing it a different way in the postseason by running the ball.
0: Yeah, this is, this is old school, isn't it? And here we are, the 100th year of NFL football. And it's darn near how the NFL football began, <laughs> you know. It's not it's not single wing. It's not, you know, rugby style where everyone gets together and just beats on each other. But if you're talking about, you know, look, the Dolphins had that perfect season in 72. Would Bob Greasy throw seven passes in the Super Bowl? Something of that nature, <laughs> six, seven passes. Jimmy Garoppolo threw eight right, right? In, in 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 the playoff game or something like that what so, did bradshaw, Brad, bradshaw bradshaw said, said eight of 11. yeah bradshaw
1: said on the podium to him that i threw 11 and we won the super bowl whatever it takes right
0: whatever it takes and look that's back-to-back games where the 49ers have run it over 40 times and they'll do it again if given the opportunity and this is the thing about kyle shanahan as a head coach and a play caller We always talk about it, and you use it as well, I'm sure, TJ, ego-less play callers. And what that means is we see those play sheets that everyone has, and they look like the menus from the Cheesecake Factory. (laughs) The bottom line is the guys with ego will want to call all the sophisticated stuff that's on their play sheet, whether they need to or not. The guys without ego say, hold it a second. That off-tackle run just just worked six times in a row. I'm going to call it the seventh time. And that's what Kyle Shanahan's about. And his team gains confidence from that. They know he'll dial up something crazy if he needs to or sophisticated. But if they're just beating people up and Raheem Mostert's not getting touched until 10 yards downfield, he actually gives the offensive line and the tight end and the wide receivers what they want. Another play to beat up on someone. And that's what the 49ers have done this playoffs
1: few more moments with Charles Davis hanging with me here as part of the NFL Network, part of Fox Sports' coverage of the NFL, and now uh, shifting over to the NFL Network and the draft, and I'll talk for a moment or two with him about that before we get out of here on Three Dog Thursday. Uh, again, the 49ers and this story. They were in the Super Bowl in the 2010s with Jim Harbaugh. I get that. But you really they had a long drought before that, and they've had a drought of 25-plus years now of not winning it, going back to Steve Young. And ironically, it was in Miami uh, when Steve Young threw the six touchdown passes and beat the Chargers in Miami in the Super Bowl. For the Bay Area, the San Francisco Bay Area, for the 49er fans, this is quite a moment, quite a return to the big game, such a storied franchise. You've been around it now a bunch, doing their games, etc. Elaborate more, Charles, for the audience here about that part.
0: Yeah, this is a huge deal. And when you think of it this way, TJ, the Bay Area has done pretty well in recent years when you really sit down and analyze it, right? (laughs) Yeah, The the Giants in Major League Baseball, multiple World Series wins. The Golden State Warriors run in basketball, all right? The only thing that's been missing, and 49ers fans have really missed it, is the 49ers having their run, and here they are back. Third year, John Lynch is the GM. Kyle Shanahan is the head coach. Remember when it came together, everyone said, oh, my God, a guy with no experience is going to be the GM. How can that happen? (laughs) Third year, they're in the Super Bowl, and they've done well with their collaboration. This is a big deal. This is a a huge deal. And don't forget, for the annals of the NFL, when you think about that time frame in the 80s and into the 90s, 49ers were preeminent. You know, Bill Walsh leading it. You know, Joe Montana and Steve Young, Jerry Rice. We go on and on. There are a bunch of 49ers that are in NFL lore, and the franchise itself, charismatic owner, and Eddie DeBartolo, well, (laughs) what is his grandson, Jed York? I mean, it's unbelievable how this has all cut back together after some really low periods along the way.
1: Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's quite the story. It'll be built up even more. Again, uh, we have affection for John Lynch. You know this uh, with me having been associated yes. with the Buccaneers broadcast for 20-plus years uh, to see him as a first-time executive get that 49er job. And let's not forget, this will be trumped up, they started 0-9 the first year, uh, two seasons ago, two full seasons ago, the first year. And now to go from that to reverse it to a, a Super Bowl berth and a chance to win a world championship in year three. Remarkable uh, story. All right, so some NFL uh, talk on the field. Now the draft conversation is going on. I love the coverage. Again, you were at the East-West Shrine Bowl uh, seeing some of these guys this past weekend in St. Petersburg. Uh, you're now in Mobile, Alabama uh, for the Senior Bowl. You got Interesting name. You guys were talking to Justin Herbert on the Tuesday coverage from the Senior Bowl and interview him, So much being made of Joe Burrow, rightfully so, the Heisman winner, uh, probably going to go number one to Cincinnati unless something uh, dramatic, crazy happens. And then again, it is the Bengals. Um, uh, Tua, Tua probably going as the next quarterback to someone, depending on what happens. What do you think? I mean, Justin Herbert, you're watching him at the Senior Bowl, got the resume from Oregon. Uh, is he on first round radar here? Is he top fifteen radar here? I know we got a long way to go in the process, but give me a, give me a thought on the Oregon quarterback.
0: Yeah, you're right about the process, but as as we stand now, he's definitely on that top fifteen radar. Um, when you think about the quarterbacks, Tua naturally would be the number two guy, but we have to get his his health check. You know, and that's going to be the big deal. So there will be some twists and turns that go along with that. But, but stand by for April, right? Let's find out in April where Tua is right before the draft, and then we'll kind of know what, what, what teams are thinking. But bottom line, it's Herbert has everything you're looking for, the size, the arm. How about his his coming back this season and winning? You know, they, they took a loss in midseason to Arizona State that no one saw coming. They bounced back, got to the Pac-12 title game, upset Utah, who would have gone, I believe, T.J., to the college football playoffs if they had won mm-hmm. the Pac-12 championship. And, you know, I think I think that committee was desperate to get a Pac-12 team in and no one revealed for themselves. You know, no one they didn't give it to them. But that was a big win. How about the big win at Wisconsin where he showed off legs as well as arm. So, yeah, he's definitely on that radar and people want to get a good look at him this week. And I thought it was really – how do I say this? I really, I think he showed a nice competitive streak in deciding to play in the senior bowl. Because I think he could have sat it out and kind of held position. But he really wants to show people another facet of him, another side of him. And to me, that's leadership and kind of being a little vocal and being able to be that guy that people rally around. That's the one thing that I think a lot of the scouts really
1: want to see this week. Great point, because he's got measurables with size, with arm. even showed his wheels in that Rose Bowl with Wisconsin, running around and making plays. But what about leadership? What about other things that go along with it? Another moment with Charles Davis. I love asking you this question. It is early you got an eye on a player or two at the Senior Bowl or right now kind of in the pre-draft process? Maybe we're going to see him on NFL Network this weekend at the Senior Bowl in Mobile on Saturday. Got a player that you're just interested in, maybe two?
0: Yeah, I actually have a couple, and, and they may not show up in the first round or whatever, but I think they're both going to be good pros. And one of them's a running back at Arizona State named Enzo Benjamin, all right? Me, and, uh you know Benjamin. And he's got great contact balance, as they say. Good moves the whole deal, very compact runner, had a better 2018 than 19. But I think he's the kind of running back we're looking for in the NFL. And another guy is a hybrid, but he's one of the most exciting guys I've seen. And that's a guy from your school, Antonio Gibson from, from Memphis. Yeah. This guy, if you want to put together a highlight table, all you need to do is take the SFU game, that a <laughs> featured game on ESPN <laughs> midseason. He was extraordinary. I think he had what, 77 touches and 14 touchdowns? I mean, that ratio is just off the charts. Can he be a running back? I think so. Can he be a slot receiver? I think so. He can do whatever you want. When you watch him on tape, whether he's running it or running routes downfield, you see a guy with strength, you see a guy with speed, you see a guy with vision. I can't believe he he touched it as rarely as he did. That just tells you about the overall talent at your school, TJ, and how fast they run offense and how many people can touch the ball. I think this kid is going to be a steal for someone. I think he's got a chance to be a star in the NFL.
1: Well, and we've seen a couple of other examples of my Memphis Tigers getting a, getting a look in the NFL. One of them, Tony Pollard with the Dallas Cowboys. They, they've had some explosive players, and so uh, we'll see. Always love the insight. Again, Charles is with the Senior Bowl coverage. Andrew Siciliano, Daniel Jeremiah, they're covering the Senior Bowl all week, depending on when you're hearing us, and through the weekend in the game on Saturday, and it leads all the way up to the NFL Network's draft coverage eventually through the Combine. He'll be part of the Combine coverage in February, etc., etc. I know you're busy. You made time for me. Thank you publicly for doing that. Uh, Enjoy Mobile. Hopefully it warms a little bit. Hopefully you get some good football as the week goes on. Thank you, Charles Davis. And we're anxious to see what happens with 49ers and Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I appreciate you making time for me. Thank you.
0: thanks for having me as always and by the way send me a text when you're on the first tee when the (laughs) weather warms back up in Florida and everybody else would be
1: all up to that exactly gotta get you out there too thank you Charles thank you Love the inside of Charles Davis. Still to come, Colby Dant from the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows. The College Experience is the name of his podcast. He's with us straight ahead. Brian Edwards, MajorWager.com, and Vegas Insider is here in a bit with College Hoop and NBA information and underdogs. A reminder that Three Dog Thursday is brought to you in part by Play Pick Six. Go download the Play Pick Six app right now for free and then play Pick Six for free for any college basketball evening or Saturday, mix and match your sports. See, this is a great thing about play pick six. It's free to play. You've got a chance to pick six games and crossover sports. A lot of these different uh, prognostication games and pick games, they don't let you cross over from the NFL to college hoops, uh, the NBA, the NHL. Pick any six games in a given day. You get them all right. You get a sports restaurant gift card. Go find out more at playpick6.com, but do a favor. Go download the app. It's in the Google Play Store. It's in the Apple Store takes about two minutes to sign up, free to play, pick six games in any one day. If all of them come in, you win. And here's a little secret. If one of your games loses, on a college basketball Saturday, you've got like 40 or 50 games. So you can pick six games there, mix and match with the NBA if you want. If one of your games loses and you've still got time with West Coast games, later games, especially on a college basketball Saturday... Pick another six games and mix and match with the games that haven't started yet with Play Pick Six. Free to play, free, free, free. Go get the Play Pick Six app and play Pick Six with college, NBA, NHL, even the Super Bowl. Mix and match on Super Bowl Sunday with NBA and college games. It is Play Pick Six.
0: Dogs a-barkin'. Who will get it done this week? Three
1: Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. As advertised, we have a rookie jumping on Three Dog Thursday, and I've heard big things, big things about Colby Dant from the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Colby handles the College Experience Podcast. That's the name, the College Experience. Who knows what all that entails? uh it certainly entails gambling and spreads but it could entail a lot of other things use your imagination and colby with me now to talk some college hoops potentially a thursday night underdog uh, but he is salivating at a couple of hairy dogs maybe for saturday in college basketball as well first of all good to have you here any friend of sean green and ryan kramers is a friend of mine even though we're just getting acquainted good to have you hanging out here on three dog thursday colby
2: Hey, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it, man. And likewise, any friends of them are friends
1: of mine. So <laughs> all I'm- right, so we all try to make sense of uh, of everything. So I- I've already. Uh, Made mention uh, here as the podcast has come on, uh, and and we've you know gone back and forth with talking a little football with the Super Bowl being set, and obviously some college hoops because hey, guess what? With the exception of the Pro Bowl, uh, there's not a football game this weekend. The big one is obviously next weekend, and unless you're a degenerate, you shouldn't be worried about the lines or the over in the Pro Bowl in Orlando. So in any event, we morph this into college basketball starting now, all the way through February, and obviously the greatest month that there is in March, Um, And so I've said at the beginning of the show a a bit about the Kansas-Kansas State melee, which is dominating midweek off the court in college basketball. Colby, your take on what happened? Uh, We know that D'Souza, the Kansas player, got the boom lowered on him, 12-game suspension. The K-State player, Love, that was in the street clothes, uh, that uh, that was throwing haymakers, he got eight games. What's your take on that ugly, ugly scene at Fog Allen Fieldhouse Tuesday night?
2: I mean, for me, I thought it was great for basketball because <laughs> cause they're going to play one more time, and you know maybe even two more times if they meet in the Big Twelve tournament. So those games are now must watch, must watch basketball for me because you know the intensity is going to be at a really high level, almost like back in the days of the New York Knicks and Miami Heat or the New York Knicks and the Indiana Pacers, <laughs> um, and Bulls like. So for me. You know, I actually thought there you know uh, I don't know if I'm just a wild card here, but I thought the poll games was a little harsh because he picked up a chair, but he didn't use it if he used it, I would have said, "Hey i get it well he,
1: know, had, he had he had intent games. there, he just got stopped he was trying to go w w e on love or somebody. Uh, but, you, I mean, look, all joking aside, you understand the gravity of this, that there could have been, could have been serious injury, um, and you can't have this. I mean, it, it is bad, not just for those schools, not just for the Big 12, but it's all anybody's talking about midweek, and that that's a negative. I understand controversy sells and sometimes negativity sells, but to me... That, that that's just a black eye. It's un unne- the word I used at the beginning of the podcast unnecessary. The whole thing uh, is unnecessary in a lot of ways. It's selfish. Because D'Souza's doing a selfish, stupid thing, standing over the guy. You won the game by 20. Uh, let him go lay it in. Even if he's not going to lay it in and you block his shot, just walk away. What are you doing? Uh, and, and then we start the, the brouhaha, and it's in the disabled section of Fog Allen Fieldhouse, Colby, where there are people in wheelchairs, literally, that are trying to take cover from the, from the Royal Rumble that's in the, in the end zone. It's just, it's a bit, you can tell I'm passionate about this.
2: No, no, no. Yeah, that, that's obviously horrible, man. And and obviously I agree with you on, like, the guy didn't need to even play defense. The game was over. There's two seconds left in the game, so just let him lay it up. So, I mean, yeah, you're, you're 100% right. Now, for the sake of, like, to me, the rivalry, that's all I'm saying, is it's going to make the games intense. I, I completely agree
1: with uh, So you with thought you thought the suspensions for the players, 12 for D'Souza, Eight for love of Kansas State may have been a little harsh. Does it surprise you that Bill Self and Bruce Weber weren't disciplined at least a game, maybe by the big twelve here to say, hey, you are ultimately responsible for your players and your program? What say you, Colby?
2: I mean, sure. I mean look in today's age, I guess I, I I'm on board with that. You know, like I mean, probably more so with self than I am with uh with with Weber because it was right on it was right on the Kansas State bench where that happened. You know what I mean? So, you should expect your players to react when 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 something like that happens foolish at the very end. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, I I I I wouldn't I wouldn't have been mad if they had given him a, a game or two suspension, but I just thought the 12 was I
0: don't
2: know, maybe I'm crazy, man. I just think it was like, you know, okay, I get it. You know, he didn't it, it initiate. So maybe maybe he did deserve a longer suspension than most. But there are other dudes throwing punches. I'll just say
1: that. Well, and you you make a good point. Everybody is going to be glued to the rematch at the Little Apple in Manhattan, and that one is coming at the tail end of the year on February 29th nationally on CBS, the second-to-last weekend of the season. So stay tuned, and you're, you're right. They might meet as well in Kansas City uh, for the uh, for the third time in the Big 12 tournament. Who knows uh, how that play, part plays out. Hey, how about we talk about some of the games uh, on the court? Now, as part of your background, you're a D.C. guy. Does that make you apologize, like, for Georgetown or for Maryland on the East Coast? Who are you apologizing for, Colby Dant?
2: I mean, my mother went to Maryland, but if there was one school in that vicinity, mileage-wise, that I grew up rooting for, it would have been George Mason.
1: Well, yeah, the the uh, the Patriots obviously with the '06 Final Four run. What's not to love there?
2: I mean, I went to Gary Williams basketball camp at Maryland and stuff, so I guess there was a little allegiance there. But uh, mainly, I would say, yeah, Jimmy Larinaga, George Mason. They had because they had some good teams besides those teams, besides that team that went to the Final Four. They had they had a good team for about a decade there.
1: No doubt about that. And uh, you you hinted to me before. I already know this East Carolina guy too. Uh, get rowdy at the Dowdy at Dowdy Ficklin Football Stadium, but what is it? It's Minji's Coliseum, right at ECU. I have done games on the radio play-by-play for the University of South Florida out of Minji's uh, Coliseum for USF and East Carolina, USF ECU, um, and also I'm a Memphis guy uh, as well in the same conference. Uh, with the American, uh, with USF, UCF, Houston, Cincinnati, all of those schools, Temple that are in the American Conference. So uh, we'll see that that league interesting too, with Memphis and Wichita State and Houston kind of at the top of it, and a couple of others maybe lurking around it. The American is uh, is fun to pay attention to, in addition to the big boys.
2: Yeah, man, I love it. I'm curious your take on the James Wiseman thing.
1: Well, I'm a you know, look, I'm a Memphis guy through and through, but that whole thing stinks. I, I can I don't live in Memphis anymore, but I can smell it from here, from where I am. Uh, that he took the suspension, he had the lawyers involved. Uh, it's dubious about whether or not it was an extra benefit when Penny Hardaway had no way of knowing if he was going to be the Memphis basketball coach or not when he paid for the moving expenses. And look, we knew this guy was one and done. Uh, at, at, uh, at Memphis and likely the number one overall pick. College basketball is suffering, is my take, Colby, that he didn't get to play some of this season, especially the stretch run for the Tigers. I can't believe you would disagree with that.
2: Well, I definitely, I mean, you, you definitely, uh, you know, initiate, you planned to see Memphis with Wiseman, and I thought they'd be national contenders, and I still think they could be a, a really dangerous tournament team. But obviously, with, the, with their best player not there, that's gonna, that's that's not good for the sport. But but I will say I'm loving this college basketball season, and I I'm of the opinion like the parody is a great thing.
1: Well, and and right right now we have a bunch of it. Obviously, as we talk with Colby Dant here, he's part of the sports gambling podcasts a network. He hones in on the college game, and in particular, college hoops twice a week with the college experience. I think it's a great point. We saw Duke take a loss to Louisville after they lost at Clemson. We've seen Michigan State take a couple of losses. Kansas took that loss at home to Baylor. Uh, I, I know that uh, San Diego State is still undefeated. Gonzaga has only one loss in the West. But do we really know who the best three or four teams are right now? I think that's up in the air in late January, is it not?
2: Definitely. And once again, like this, uh, we make this argument on the, the college experience is that I actually think the one and done has strengthened college basketball, in my opinion, for making it, uh, you know, more uh, parity throughout all of the the landscape of college basketball. Before you, when you'd have players stay in two years, three years, that would really stack the odds for Duke and North Carolina and Michigan's. And I get it; they're your blue bloods. But to me, what is great about the one and done is the teams that go after the one and done. They like Kentucky or something, or a, a, Duke, a Blue Blood.
1: Duke, right.
2: Yeah, com- exactly. Compared to a team now that you look across the board in Gonzaga, yeah, they have some players come out early, but normally they have players stay three, four years. Uh, same with same with some of the mid-majors you saw. You saw last year's Texas Tech team. You saw, I mean, like Virginia's last uh, t- team last year for the most part. Uh, I know there are still players that came out early, but I'm saying I think it just makes it this overall sport. It equalizes it. And and I think that's
1: a good thing. All right. So uh, we love talking underdogs on this program. I will not hold you to having to have either a Thursday underdog or an underdog this weekend, unless there's one that you really like. In the top 25 uh, for Thursday night, Michigan State at Indiana uh, in a matchup where Michigan State is the road favorite At Bloomington, of course, Indiana's taken a couple of bad losses, including one to Rutgers. Although, could you really consider the Rutgers loss uh, right now a bad loss, uh, necessarily, with what they're doing? And they've cracked the top 25. So that's an interesting Thursday night uh, underdog. Houston, top 25, favorite at home with UConn. Um, And look, I have an analyst uh, on another podcast that's been preaching Washington State to me as a sleeper. Washington State getting 13 points at Colorado, Pac-12 game Thursday night. Uh, we'll see how that one goes in Boulder. Can Washington State kind of bow up away from home? They won a couple of big games at home, beating the two Oregon schools last week at home. What we'll have there. So anyway, there's just kind of a gloss over of some underdog. Do you have a Thursday night underdog for Three Dog Thursday purposes? Maybe you do, maybe you don't.
2: Uh I I do but I will say I agree. I mean Washington, State, I don't I don't know that I like them to win outright against Colorado but I love that that hire of Kyle Smith coming over from San Francisco and he he's an analytics guy, a big analytics guy. They have Dennis Rodman's son on that team at Washington <laughs> State. But um they they're a team to watch for and I I really like that hire of Smith. So uh I don't I I would take the points with them. I like that play but uh as for an outright dog if I had to pick one. I don't love the slate for an outright big dog but if I had to I'm going to take you to Salt Lake City, and I'm going to take Utah to, to potentially beat Washington uh, outright. You know, Washington's point guard, the, the Kentucky transfer, is uh, is out. Green, he's out uh, as far as I know for the re- rest of the regular season because right. of academics. Uh, so I think you know they just had a heartbreaking loss to Oregon in Seattle. If you if you got to watch that game, great game. But um, gave gave
1: that one away. away. Gave that game away. Really in Seattle. Uh, in that matchup, Peyton Pritchard hit the big shots for Oregon, but Washington had that one. Uh, you, the only thing about Utah, one and four in the Pac-12, and I, you know, I guess they're at home, and so you kind of like that as the equalizer, maybe that's the one you would lean to for Thursday night.
2: It, I mean, and they're due, like they've been getting beat pretty bad. I feel like, like to me, and getting the fact they're getting Washington not at their uh, not at a hundred percent. Uh, like I, I still don't love this game, but I'm saying if there was one that I would have to pick, like I, I do like Michigan State to come into Indiana and get that win. So if I had to pick one, I think I would go with Utah.
1: Interesting. Um, All right, for Saturday, cool. All right, so for Saturday, the slate is much more interesting with the Big 12 SEC Challenge with some of those games. Most of the top 25 teams are in action on Saturday. Is there a game or two that stands out more so than than the Thursday slate? Uh, Colby, Dant?
2: Yeah, I'm going to double down. I got burned. I've been getting burned on Shaka Smart, right?
3: <laughs> he is
2: coaching for his he is coaching for his job right now. And I'm going to double down. I took LSU the other night getting like I think i not LSU. I took Texas getting points against uh West Virginia and boy did I get burned. But I'm gonna I'm gonna ride with Texas to beat
1: LSU in Austin. Ooh, and and more than likely LSU will be the favorite again. You can check for three dog Thursday purposes. We don't have access to the lines yet, but we believe LSU, who uh, who right now has gotten off to a six and O start in the SEC, got the last second win with Florida. We believe they would be favored. You're going to Texas after they got they they got humiliated by West Virginia. This is a big time call that Colby is looking at uh, here, uh, coming off of that hammer job, ninety seven fifty nine at Morgantown for Texas to come back home. You think they get their their act back together? Obviously, that's an afternoon game at the Irwin Center in Austin. You say, watch out for Hookem for the Horns.
2: Well, well, I mean, look, I. They've lost two in a row. I, I watched that Kansas game where Kansas came into Austin, and Texas was playing with Kansas pretty much the whole game. Final stretch, Kansas pulled away. So I don't think they're as bad as that West Virginia score indicates, and I think Shaka Smart knows that he can't afford to keep losing. So the, the magnitude, they, they need this win as bad as anybody in college basketball, and they're at home, and I think LSU might even be a little bit – I know they're, they're barely ranked, I don't even know in some polls if they are – but uh but L S U I I they they almost lost to Florida. They almost they, they had a game winner against Mississippi state. So I don't know that they're truly as good as their record indicates.
1: Interesting. All right. A couple more moments. Love talking some college basketball. It is three dog Thursday, Colby Dant hanging out with me doing an outstanding job, talking hoops all the time, writing and talking hoops on the sports gambling podcast. You can see his stuff uh, that he writes on the sports gambling Also hear his podcast, the college experience. It is morphed into college basketball. Now with the college football season over with you know lsu doesn't care about beating texas because they got joe burrow the heisman and the national title uh for football so they're set uh at least for right now the, the basketball would be gravy but anyway colby uh talking twice a week on mondays and also on thursdays on the college experience podcast on the sports gambling uh podcast network of shows all right so did you have one more that you liked for a potential underdog i sensed yes that you had another one
2: Yes, certainly I do. And I will say also this, man. We handicap every single Division One college basketball game over at the com. Locks included. Yep. Just want to throw that out there. Yep. We're covering the MEAC. We're covering everything.
1: So, wow. They're going, they're going obscure. If you want Ohio Valley, they got you. If you want Ivy League, they got you. Am I right? You want Big West? They got that, yes. too. Just look for it.
2: You, you, you are correct. I like UC Irvine to win the Big West this year again. But anyway, I'll get to... I'll get to I, – I, I'm going to call for uh, – so we think we think that uh, Florida might be favored, so I'm going to throw that off the board against Baylor. And I'm going to say, how about I stay out west and, uh, you know, I know I was talking Utah before, so I'll stay in the Pac-12 and take Arizona State. You know, in Tempe, I know Arizona State, they're not as good as years past, but in Tempe, that place gets lit. And this is a rivalry game. Arizona's been Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, you know, they, they they're – clearly more talented than Arizona State, but they're coming off a huge win against Colorado. I think perhaps Arizona State might be the team to get the dub in Tempe. That place is going to be on fire.
1: Uh, you are aware that these teams played about two weeks ago, 75-47 Arizona at home. You're thinking reversal of fortune? Is that what I'm thinking here? You're thinking this?
2: I, I was aware of that, but I I, I I think that's the motivation there. But like I said, I mean originally I was going to take Baylor to beat Florida. Right. I mean Florida to beat Baylor. I'm sorry, Florida to beat Baylor. But if Florida's favorite,
1: right, we're unsure. Right we're because even though Baylor's ranked number one, as crazy as it would sound, it's in Gainesville. I, I, I I'm no handicapper. I'm no odds maker. Give me an educated guess. Could Baylor be the underdog there? I think they could be by a point or two. Uh, with the get, we'll have to see when the lines come out. We don't have that luxury right now.
2: Yeah, exactly, man. And 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 let me ask you this, do you think Villanova will be favored at Providence?
1: That's a Friday? great question. Uh, probably is the answer to that. Uh because again, you know, Villanova's got the ranking, they've got the brand name. Again, we don't know. That's an early game on CBS. Uh Ed Cooley's team always comes to play. Uh, and the Big East, let's talk about that for a second. I know you're all the way out in the West, but again, you were raised in the D.C. area, so you know about Georgetown. The Big East likely is going to have six, maybe more, maybe seven teams in the NCAA tournament when you look how good they are in the net, uh, et cetera, So we we got to start paying attention to like Villanova Providence coming on Saturday. Pay attention to what Seton Hall is doing. Pay attention to what Butler has been doing, uh, as well as a couple of the others there in that conference.
2: Yeah, don't, don't sleep on DePaul. I know they started out 0-3 or 0-4 in conference, but they're a good team. And, you know, I, I, I really like this Providence team. I know they struggled early on, but they're a veteran team. Ed Cooley's a great coach, so I would like them to, 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 to upset Villanova. But in general, yes, the Big East is uh, is loaded. I made the argument on our on our college experience episode earlier in the week that they should just put all 10 teams in the biggies in the tournament because I think they're that good.
1: <laughs> I don't know that I'd go that far, but it is a good conference and it only reinforces, I keep saying this over and over again. That the the ones that were dubbed the Catholic Seven, the seven schools that broke away from the other schools that wanted to play football, the Catholic Seven, I'm going to probably leave one out, uh, being Villanova, Georgetown, St. John's, Providence, Seton Hall, Marquette, DePaul. Those seven broke away. They added Xavier. They added Creighton. I'm leaving one out probably. They added one more. Butler is the other one. Thank you. Uh, they look genius right now for what they did because their, their revenue sharing among those schools, they're putting multiple, four, five, six teams in the NCAA tournament every year. Villanova won two championships on their watch, and they didn't have to share it 14 ways. They only shared it 10 ways. So they're looking smarter and smarter with, uh, with what they did, and we'll see if some of those schools uh, can go deep. All right. it- yeah, go.
2: And they're they're grabbing UConn.
1: Well, right, and UConn coming back into the fold because UConn realized the same thing: we are losing money uh, like a faucet, uh, like a like Niagara Falls. We're losing money off of football. Let's scale down football. Let's get back to the basketball rivalries and get back to being a basketball school with some of the rivalry teams like Villanova, Georgetown, Providence in the, in the proximity, uh, Seton Hall, St. John's. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. we got to run here in a moment or two. I give you the floor. I love doing this. Give me anything else here that we didn't cover, something that's on your brain you've been talking about on the college experience. Uh, tell me, an, uh, it could be a player, it could be a coach, it could be a team, somebody we're not talking enough about that we should know more about, et cetera, et cetera. What else? Anything else, Colby?
2: Uh, well, I mentioned recently on, on my podcast that I was really, well, about a week ago, I was covering Houston, but they, it seems like now Houston, the cat's out of the bag. The Houston Cougars were a young team. Uh, Samson, obviously, proven coach. And as the season gets, continues to go on, I expected them to get better and better and better. And I know you're a Memphis guy, so I, I know right now Houston appears to be the front runner because they won at Wichita. But I think it's going to come down to those three. But I really like what Houston's got when I watch them play. I think they're going to continue to get better. And another team that's kind of flying under the radar is Mississippi State. Mississippi State has blown out a couple, and I think they did. I think they beat. Did they ended up beating Arkansas tonight. I, I I took this call as this game as the game was close, but they were beating Arkansas last I saw. But they, they've won some big games in a row. I think, I mean, two, two or three blowouts in a row. So I, I think Mississippi State could could really ruffle some feathers in the SEC.
1: Yeah, in Stark in Stark Vegas, they did get the Wednesday night win over Arkansas to improve them to three and three. And if you project ahead uh, on the weekend in the Big Twelve SEC matchup, Mississippi State at Oklahoma at the Sooners on Saturday afternoon. Keep an eye on them. And you mentioned the Houston Cougars. They will play uh, in Tampa here where I am against uh, South Florida. They've had a couple of big wins, including the Wichita State win. So we'll see what else is looming for uh, Kelvin Sampson's team, which was one of the darlings uh, of the NCAA tournament last year uh, as well for what Houston was able to do. Again, Colby Dant. Love the insight uh, of Colby. F- follow him on social media, on Twitter at The Colby D, the capital letter D, The Colby D. And plug away again on the podcast and how they find you, how they read you, et cetera. Go ahead, Colby.
2: Uh, we are the college experience. You can just type that into uh, you know whatever platform you listen to podcast with. But we're also represented by the sports gambling podcast and the sports gambling podcast network. You can go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com. dot com. Like I said, we handicap every single game. Now, obviously, we don't have some games. We won't feel great about uh, Florida A and M and and uh, you know Alabama State. But we also lock. We we have a, a lock series with, with an asterisk on our spreadsheet where you'll see our locks for the for the weekend. So. Check us out. I uh, Like I said, we've been doing this for a few years now for handicapping every game, and we've been over 50% every year.
1: And that's hard to do, because unlike football, there's a bazillion games in <laughs> Division One, day in, day out, night in and night out, uh, to keep track of and to try to, to make those predictions. We will see what happens. Again, Colby's got some interesting uh, underdogs that he likes for Thursday, uh, saying keep an eye on a couple of Washington State, you said, right? Mm-hmm. Keep an eye on against Colorado. Colorado. Colorado for Thursday night. Not that that's a have-to, but you like Texas uh, as a bounce back off a humiliating loss to West Virginia. Look out for Texas with LSU. And he also said Arizona State in revenge, thus saith the Sun Devils, uh, after being wasted by Arizona a couple of weeks ago. He thinks they bounce back uh, in the game there at the Wells Fargo Arena on the Tempe campus. I agree, that's a that's a raucous place. It'll be fired up for the Wildcats to come in and for the revenge possibility. We will find out what happens there. Colby Dan, a treat to have you on. Promise me that we get to do this again uh, at least once more before the regular season is up as part of Three Dog Thursday. I appreciate you being being on sir
2: anytime Uh, I can't wait for March and uh, thanks for having me on guys Love, love talking basketball
1: all right, he's here to close the show. He is frothing. He is uh, rubbing those hands together, got the sleeves rolled up, doggies, doggies. He's li- he's liking him some underdogs, not just in college hoops, but also in the NBA. He is Brian Edwards. BrianEdwardsSports.com is his site. Also MajorWager.com. You read him also on Vegas Insider. I I love his insight on all things including the college hoops that we will get to. How are you, my friend, as uh, as we get ready to embark on another week?
3: I am doing uh well, TJ. My I was thriving in NBA was on a 16 and 1 run. I have cooled off there, but I have uh found my legs in uh college hoops. 20 and 1 last night and a um a 3 and 1 the night before. So um I'm starting to get into, you know, now we're just crying in every night of hoops and not the football in in our way and distracting us. Just one more game there. So it's all good.
1: Yeah, no doubt about that. And give me a quick thought here uh, about Kansas City and San Francisco both making it. we got much more time to talk about the game, but both the home teams were able to win with the Chiefs stopping the Titans' magical postseason run of road wins, and then the 49ers playing the old-school football like we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast with Charles Davis, run the ball and play defense. What is this, 1980s uh, NFL with the 49ers making it? Uh, They both were impressive. They're both... Both in the super bowl.
3: Yeah. I mean, what, whatever works for you, you know, if you don't have to throw it, why throw it? So, uh, man, I, I tell you, TJ, I, I, I don't think I'm going to have anything on the side. I think, well, I mean, we've got to, you know, we've got some time to change my mind, but, uh, I think I'm going to end game the side and I'm just going to go with the over. And if you like the over, uh, I think you better get it. I still think – I know it's already been pushed up from 52.5 to 54, but don't be surprised if this thing gets closer to 56, a key number on a total. I think if you like the over, you go ahead and get it. The over's on an 8-3-1 run uh, for the 49ers, and uh, the over's hitting three straight for for KC, and their two postseason combined scores are 82-59 and with Mahomes' eight touchdown passes without an interception. So – um, I, I think we're going to get a lot of offense, but man, I, I, I the side, man, I think it's a good line. It's a toss-up in my mind.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about that next week on the show, including those prop bets <clears throat> that are always out there that we love to talk about and discuss as well. All right, so we got much to uh to go over and cover when we get to Super Bowl 54 coming in Miami, that's for sure. Uh all right, so college hoopdom and now Brian and I are taping coming off of Wednesday night. So we have some please do not bring up Tulsa 80 Memphis 40 with me. I I am in no mood right now to try to comprehend or explain what happened to my Tigers. In Tulsa, it just shows in college basketball in general you better be ready to play because, my God, that's a ranked Memphis team with everything to play for just getting annihilated on the road. You better be ready in this topsy-turvy college basketball season, as a general comment. I will not
3: say anything about it because I hate Frank Hayes going back to his 30 days. And uh, I hate Will Wade, uh, who beat my Gator. Yeah. Uh, two nights ago. so we don't have to talk about it either. Though.
1: Yeah, we' we'll just we're just looking forward. We're not looking back uh, on those. Uh, but you know a couple of quick ones from Wednesday night. we saw Seton Hall uh, win again now 7 and0 in the big East as they defeated Providence last evening at home. Uh, what a job Kev- Kevin Willard has done. Um, and-, and Miles Powell, the outstanding guard for Seton Hall uh, leading them and we saw Iowa defeat Rutgers. Who knew, as we kept talking, building up to this, who knew that an Iowa-Rutgers late January game would have relevance in the Big Ten, but it did. Iowa won it by five. And you've got a little interesting item on the Rutgers Scarlet Knights before we get into picking some uh, some dogs and looking at some lines. Yeah, so they lose
3: by five last night, but they were up five at halftime, and they've got some good DNA on that squad. They've got Ron Harper uh, junior. They've got Jacob Young, who is the son of Five Slamma Jamma alum, the lefty Michael Young. How about that? And, uh, how about that? Down by two last night. Young made a great route. Uh, excuse me. Great uh, move to the rim. Got there. It was probably like 20 seconds left, down by two. But after making a great move and getting to the rim, he missed a bunny. And then Connor McCaffrey made four straight clutch free throws for Iowa and Iowa backers if you had bought the hook and got them at minus five, as I had. So, unfortunately, I pushed there. Um, but, look, Rutgers is going to go to the tournament for the first time since 91. Their Ken Palm rating did not change uh, with that loss. And uh, Rutgers is on a 12-1-1 against the spread uh, roll right now. And the under was 7-0, and in their last seven, but obviously that 85 80 game flew over. But uh, Rutgers will be a big favorite on Saturday. But just uh, this, uh, Steve Pequille has done a great job, and Rutgers is on its way to the tournament. And even, even without Jordan Bohannon, I was really good. And they can beat anybody at home, and uh, they're, they're, they're very solid. Garza, the big man underneath, Wise Camp. Uh, I uh, Brandon McCaffrey's got a really solid squad, and, and Rutgers is a good team, too. That was a fun game to watch last
1: night, just like what we thought in the Big Ten. That it's, it's Rutgers, it's Iowa, it's Illinois up at the top of the Big Ten. Go figure on that. And a great stat there on Rutgers. You love my stat the last time they were in the AP poll, the AP top 20, then it was not the top 25, the AP top 20, 1979. Jimmy Carter, was the president of the United States, who Brian immediately wants to point out is from
3: America's Georgia, the same place as former Denver Broncos
1: and Atlanta Falcons coach Dan Reed. There we go. We love that. And so Rutgers, uh blast from the past. They're playing much better and you're right. They're probably be a big favorite against Nebraska. And you said what, twelve one and two currently in the last fifteen right now, just against the spread, period, for Rutgers? Um uh is that what I no 12 one and one 12 one and at one last. ATS so keep an eye on the Scarlet Knights uh moving forward on that all right so that leads me into a big 10 uh ask because you you were uh, teasing me here that you like a Thursday big 10 game give me give me for three dog Thursday purposes Brian Edwards MajorWager.com. give me an, give me an underdog Thursday night
3: yeah, Minnesota plus eight at Ohio State. Now, the, the Gophers have not been very good on the road, but you know Minnesota's a bubble team, so this is a very important game. And, and more than anything, we're fading Ohio State. This team is starting to fall apart after a great start. Now, they're still top 15 in Ken Palm. I think they're number 12 because they had a great non-con. But uh, the Buckeyes have lost five of their last six games outright, they're 0-6 against the spread in that stretch. Their only win was a home win over Nebraska, the worst team in the Big Ten. And their last three losses have been by double-digit margins. Now, Minnesota's playing pretty well. They're 6-3 and both straight up and against the spread in its last nine games. One of the losses in overtime at Purdue. The other two losses, no shame, at Rutgers and at Michigan State. Um, and, look, the Gophers already play. I know it gives the Buckeyes the revenge angle – but at the barn earlier this year, Minnesota beat Ohio State by 13, and they're catching eight here. Uh, you know, maybe you can make the argument okay, Ohio State, this is their get right game, but whatever, man. They, they've been struggling for weeks now. I like to go for plus eight.
1: Well, and they've got an outstanding big man um, in Daniel Oturu. Oturu, right now, Leading them at 20 points, 20 and 12 a night uh, for Minnesota. So, again, this is not necessarily just Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State. You got to pay attention to Minnesota as well. So, you like the eight points on Thursday. And again, you may be listening later in the weekend on Three Dog Thursday and know how brilliant Brian Edwards was with that game. Uh, More than likely, he will be brilliant because he's been rolling along with some college basketball. Uh, All right. So, uh, we, we turn our attention to Saturday. We've already talked some about. About the Big Twelve, SEC, or however you prefer it, SEC Big Twelve Challenge. One day in late January, on a Saturday, they always have these battles and matchup. And there's a couple of them that have your attention right now. We don't have the lines officially in front of us, but we have good speculation. So, what do you what are you thinking here for Saturday?
3: Well, if Texas Tech is a home underdog to Kentucky, and I, I believe they will be, not by much, probably three or four. Um, I think that's a game Texas Tech is going to win outright. That'll be a very hostile uh, environment in in Lubbock. And um, Chris Beard's team plays well at home. And, you know, Kentucky's youth, uh, I could see them getting tripped up there. Um, I think Florida, I liked how Florida played at LSU the other night. They lose by two. They had a buzzer beater to force overtime that, that they counted. And then they went to the replay booth. And it uh, didn't get it off by just a millisecond. Right. But um, no shame in that. And they they spanked Auburn at home. They spanked Ole Miss at home. Their last couple of home games uh, had the big rally against Alabama. I, I think Florida will, will will beat Baylor. Um, so we'll see. I think it's a, a debate
1: right run. now. I want I want your opinion. You do this for a living. Uh, we don't know. The lines will be out on Friday. It's three dog Thursday. I believe Florida. My educated speculation will be something like a one or two point favorite. Am I am I wrong? Am I off that Baylor with that number one ranking coming in as a road team might be the road favorite? What do you think there at the odom? Uh,
3: no, I agree. I, I think Florida will be uh, one to two and a half point favorite. Uh, is my guess they'll throw it out like that, and then we'll see what the market does. I mean, people could jump on Baylor, and they could become the favorite. But I think Florida will open – uh, a
1: one to two and a half point favorite all right so very interesting uh here for saturday including tennessee at kansas after the suspensions we were talking about this earlier for kansas and uh de souza uh getting the 12 game suspension they have another player suspended and there's going to be a lot of eyeballs and a lot of scrutiny and a lot of replays of that ugly scene when they play tennessee coming on on saturday at fog allen Fieldhouse as well so uh, Wilson, we'll and I know you're you're also interested in Mississippi State, who's more than likely going to be at least a three point favorite or three point underdog or more at Oklahoma, right? Uh, with, with the Bulldogs there and Ben Howland in this SEC Big Twelve challenge.
3: Yeah, now the, this game is where the Thunder play in Oklahoma City, so they don't have to go to Norman. But I mean, it's still a you know it's still a road game and a road crowd. Um, look, Mississippi State, their last four games. Now, this team had a lot of expectations um, and and kind of came up lame in their big opportunities in, in non-conference. They lost to LaTex at home. Uh, they lost by seven to Villanova on a neutral court. And, and the rest of their schedule in non-conference was pretty soft. And then they got off to an 0-3 start in the SEC. But their third loss was by one at LSU And then they just came home to the hump, and they really got right. They blasted Missouri by 27. They beat Georgia by 32. And then I had a minus four last night, and they beat a solid Arkansas team by seven. Now, obviously, all of that is at home. But I think this team has the talent for those three home games to, you know, rejuvenate them a bit. They're number 41, Ken Palm. Oklahoma's number 45. But being out there in Oklahoma, I think Mississippi State will be a a three- or four-point dog. And I think Mississippi State will go out there, and I think they will win outright two old school veteran, very good coaches for decades, Ben Howland and Lon Kruger.
1: Love the insight of Brian Edwards with me for another moment or two. MajorWager.com. Follow him also at Vegas B. Edwards. On social media, he's tweeting there. He's tweeting off the Major Wager handle as well with injury information and updates. Major Wager Uno, like the number one. Major Wager Uno is that Twitter handle with all the info. And you had one more ACC game. Again, I keep couching this on Three Dog Thursday that we don't know the line, but we believe that Louisville, one of the best teams in the ACC, ranked number six in the AP poll, that they will probably be like a nine or ten point favorite against Against Clemson we believe that's going to be the line Saturday afternoon in Louisville and you had an interesting look at Clemson I mean for example Louisville has already been a double digit favorite in an ACC game at home three times this year so probably something like that with Clemson but you got something interesting on this one for Saturday
3: well yeah Clemson's playing really well they're four and one both straight up and against the spread. In their last five, uh, they've been an underdog seven times this year. They're five and two against the spread with three outright wins. And Louisville's slumping right now. They're two four and one against the spread in their last seven. They actually trailed Georgia Tech by six at home last night at, at halftime. And I ignorantly jumped on Louisville minus ten and a half in the second half, which was minus four and a half adjusted, which seemed like a very good value. And they end up winning by four, and I lose by the hook on that- <laughs> last night. So, look, if Clemson is, uh, if they're nine, they've got to be nine or more, uh, I'll have a small play on them. Now, if they're 11 or 12, I might put a, a little more muscle behind it. Um, and then the last thing, if we had time, TJ, is I, I want to hit on the Pelicans. Yes,
1: talk good. to me because we are still buzzing and probably will be. Uh, for the next day or two about Zion Williamson just going berserk in about a four or five minute span of clock time with 17 straight points in the game. His first regular season game. No, they didn't win it. No, he didn't score 50 or 75 in the game, but boy, he went berserk for one stretch in the fourth quarter. And I think all of America's sports fans were buzzing about that. And so you're curious now as the Pelicans follow it up with a couple of games on the weekend, and you've got a couple of interesting numbers for the NBA for those that are interested?
3: Yeah, so the Pelicans were playing great even uh, without Zion. They were on a 12-1-1 against the spread run going into last night. So that was when you said 12-2-1 a minute ago. That's how I had you. They're they're now 12-2-1 against the spread in their last 15. The over has hit in 12 straight. And the Pelicans, as dogs in their last 11, are 9-1-1 and against the spread. Zion only played 18 minutes and 18 seconds last night. They were up by one when they took him out with like four or five minutes left. You know, if they keep him in, and look, I understand the medical staff. I get it with Alvin Gentry, so I'm not getting on him. But I think they would have won last night had he been able to uh, stay in. And look, the, the prop bets uh, over under on his points last night – Were eleven and a half when they came out day before yesterday. They were twelve and a half yesterday morning when I looked about two hours before tip. It was up to fifteen and a half. Obviously, it went over. Hell, it just went over its fourth quarter point. (laughs) But um, look, I I couldn't find it this morning, and I I just think they maybe haven't updated it. New Orleans is four games out of the Spurs for the eighth spot in the West. If and when you can find a prop at plus money for New Orleans to make the playoffs. I like that. They're going to make the playoffs, uh, you know, if if Zion stays healthy. And, look, they were playing pretty good without him. And, you know, Drew Holiday missed five or six games too, and he's been back the last two games. So I think the Pelicans are going to make the playoffs. If you can find the prop for them at plus money to do so, I
1: recommend it. Uh, And the Pelicans will play, what did we say, Denver Friday night, Boston Sunday night, both at home. And it will probably be electric in the Smoothie King Center. It was electric on Wednesday night. Uh, Look out now in that town. Not just the Saints, not just the LSU Tigers uh, that just got done traipsing through the, the Superdome next door against Clemson to win a national title. But the Smoothie King Center might very well be a tough ticket, especially for that Celtic game on Sunday uh, with Zion and company there. So we're paying attention to a little NBA on Three Dog Thursday as well. Brian, I always love the insight. Tell the fans about your sites, your information, your social media, how they find out more about you.
3: Uh yeah, follow me on Twitter at Vegas uh, B Edwards. Uh, you can get all my picks at BrianEdwardsports.com or VegasInsider.com. I also write a lot of content for majorwager.com. Wrote an article about Rutgers if you want to read more about them uh, earlier this week. And you can follow Major Wager's Twitter uh, at MajorWager TJ, thanks as always. Enjoyed it. Have a wonderful
1: weekend, my my man. Yeah, we always love his insight. And again, whether it's on MajorWager.com or with Vegas Insider, he has great insight on the college hoop game. Here we go. uh, With a lot of fun on another weekend, watch out for Minnesota Thursday night for one of his underdogs. Then he gave you two or three of them to keep an eye on. Uh, Teams like Texas Tech, maybe Home Doggy with Kentucky. Uh, Look out for Mississippi State with Oklahoma uh, as well, and Clemson, especially if they're a double-digit underdog uh, at Louisville Saturday afternoon, and pay attention to the Pelicans in the NBA as well in that over total uh, with how well it's doing and with Zion back. Lots of info, Brian. Love it, love the insight. This ne- this time next week, we're not only talking college hoops, we're talking Super Bowl Fifty Four. Look forward to it, my friend.
3: Thank you, buddy. Have a good weekend.
1: And that will do it for this edition of the Three Dog Thursday podcast. My thanks to Charles Davis, back with us at the beginning there from the NFL Network's coverage of the Senior Bowl, also the NFL on Fox. Colby Dant, the uh, Sports Gambling Podcast Network with the College Experience Podcast, picking some college uh, doggies and talking some college hoops with me. Look forward to having Colby back later on in the year. Brian Edwards, a staple of this podcast, MajorWager.com, as well as Vegas Insider with all those college hoop Games that are coming on Saturday and those underdogs, I kind of like that Florida-Baylor matchup. Let's see if the Gators are, in fact, favored. That's a primetime game coming on Saturday. A couple of other interesting games in that uh, Big 12 SEC challenge that will be taking place. What will Kansas look like with Tennessee coming in? Uh, as uh, Brian was mentioning there at the very end with Kentucky and Texas Tech. Texas Tech, obviously, a Final Four team. Got all the way to the championship game last year, playing at home. Let's see what happens in all of the college hoops for this weekend. There we go with all of our guests next week. Lots of Super Bowls as well. I thank you for being with me. Subscribe to this podcast, by the way. iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your podcast, Subscribe to this one. It will automatically come to you when we're new and when we're out. uh, Here with Three Dog Thursday. Uh, lasting for the entire weekend. Subscribe, and it comes right to your phone, right to your iPad. Ding! Whenever we're ready. For now, we're done. Thank you for being with me here as part of the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to the underdogs. Much more Super Bowl talk next week. Enjoy the hoops this weekend on Three Dog Thursday. Bye.